This is Radio Influence. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. I'm with my sidekick producer, Seth Hurd. Hey, Seth, what's up? Hey. Okay, this is fun. little preview of what we got coming up here. One of the most talked about names in college basketball is going to be on the Jim Fannin Show today, discussing the score system, giving you tools, tactics, and tips that you can use to achieve your own well-defined visions and goals. But first, we've always got to start off the show by taking a look at who's in the zone. Whenever somebody's at peak performance, there's always something that you can learn to take away for your week, for your month, for your 2018 as you have your best year ever. And man, this week definitely gave us some, some good stuff to talk about. I, I've, got, I've got deja vu. Uh, why is that? Tom Brady's in the zone. <laughs> I mean, what's up with that? I think Tom, Tom Brady's Brady in the zone. is in the zone. I mean... I'm not sure how the Jaguars lost that game or did Tom Brady win that game. The touchdown pass uh, that he threw into the end zone, tippy-toes, outstretched, not defensible. When the money's on the table, the best execute the basics, and they pick up the money. Tom Brady, you're in the zone. Amazing. And just hate him, love him. <laughs> it's no denying. Still a, it doesn't matter. He's still a zone performer. This is a complicated phrase, but an amazing accomplishment. That was Tom Brady's eighth fourth quarter comeback in the postseason. Uh, and he now has 11 more victories and three more Super Bowl appearances than any quarterback in playoff history. Uh, well, they've been talking about greatest of all time. Uh, boy. Every performance just pads that and, and add on, on to that. But then we got to go to Philadelphia. Talk about the zone. Uh, what a game and what intensity. And uh, the fans have a lot to do with that. That's the 12th man for the Eagles, and it's not against any other a fan base, but the Eagle fans, you all are crazy. And uh, it's contagious. I've got to shout out a couple of fan moments that helped the team get in the zone, I think. Did you see, forgive me, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, sir, um, this gentleman, he he was born in India, massive Eagles fan, immigrated to the United States. I believe his name is uh, Jajar Desai. And he became viral because he was hyping up, you know, hyping up the Eagles fans. Everybody's singing the Fly, Eagles Fly song. He starts running along the subway, and everybody's like excited because he's you know pumping him up. <laughs> and dozens of cell phones uh, recorded him inadvertently running into a pole. <laughs> 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 and so he's like the face of of the Eagles' passion. And then also, this is so I don't know how a, a tradition like this ever gets started. Apparently, Eagles fans have taken to climbing the light poles when they win. And standing on top of that little sign that blinks like walk or don't walk. So the city of Philadelphia actually put Crisco on the light poles to discourage the fans from climbing Holy them. cow. I mean, a six-pack and a light pole, that's not a good combo. <laughs> that's, that's not a good combination at all. I, and speaking of Philadelphia, I'd like to go to Pat's and have a, 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 a cheesesteak right now. I, I, I love it. On that corner are two of the best in the world. Every time I even think of Philadelphia, I salivate because of uh, 
the Philly cheesesteak. So uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of those going on and a lot of parties and a lot of happening. And definitely Philadelphia deserves it. I, I love it. How can you lose an MVP quarterback? Gone. He, he could still be the MVP. And Carson Wentz, how does that happen? And you still go to the Super Bowl. That's got a lot to do with the coaching staff. Uh, it's not just Nick Foles. Uh, it, it's everybody involved on that team. They're clicking on all cylinders. And uh, what a spanking of the Minnesota Vikings. I, at halftime, uh, I was texting with a reporter, uh, a Fox News reporter on the sideline, about keep the faith, never, never give up. Uh, and the feeling was... Uh, after that first half and the first couple of minutes in the third quarter, you could feel the energy drained from Minnesota's team. You could see it on the sidelines, and, and I think uh, they just ran into a tsunami of positive zone energy uh, from Philadelphia. Well, and if you just saw the score on your phone, I don't think that, that the stats fully tell the story of just how smothering the Vikings' defense has been and to be able to go in there with a, a backup quarterback, you know, leading your team on the offense, who throws for 352 yards. I mean, that's impressive during a random NFL game in September or October. But to do that under the pressure of going to the Super Bowl for the first time in a lot of years and to have that mental thing to deal with, that the Vikings defense has just been legendary in this NFL season. That just makes it all the more impressive. And it's further evidence that, holy cow, this team was in the zone. And then I've got to go to um, my old sport, uh, tennis. Right now we got the Australian Open going on. That's culminating this week. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And guess who's still there? Talking about greatness, Roger Federer, after all these years, maybe the greatest of all time. Uh, arguably is the greatest of all time, and he's uh, now in the semifinals. And, um, you know, by the time we broadcast, uh, it could definitely be in the finals. But uh, Roger Federer hits a high standard over and over. I know uh, Djokovic, Novak uh, Djokovic, uh, upset at the Australian Open. And, uh, and now uh, Rafa Nadal literally retired in the fifth set against Marin uh, Cilic. Um Pretty amazing. Uh, Rafa injured, and, uh, and he blames the organizers for the injury that cost him the Australian Open. little controversy there. Uh, so that's amazing. He, he was uh, bitterly questioned the heavy workload of the tennis schedule uh, for his injuries. And he said it's not just him, but it's other tennis stars. And uh, so he, he just can't believe that he had to retire in the quarterfinals against Selich. And uh, he's had an injury history at uh, the Melbourne tournament. So uh, two top players, Djokovic, Nadal, uh, gone. And um, he says, Nadal, it's a negative thing, but I, I'm not going to complain because it happened to me more than others. But on the other hand, I was winning more than almost anyone. That's the real thing. But who knows if I didn't have all these injuries. Uh, I never heard uh, Rafa talk like this. Uh, right now, those quotes uh, are talking like a victim and also talking like a judge. That's unlike him. I don't know what's up down under. Uh, but Nadal has retired from matches. He's done that eight times during his court career, but he's only done it twice in Grand Slam matches, and they were both at the Australian Open. Uh, so there you go. It's going to be fun. Uh, I did coach someone to the finals, two players to the finals of the Australian Open. It brings back memories. It's so hot there. It's uh, amazing. Temperature 150 on the court uh, this past week, which is shocking when you think about it. Uh, that causes a lot of injuries. But who's going to peak at the right time and right place? Uh, it's hard to not put my money on the uh, 
perennial champion, maybe the greatest of all time, Roger Federer. But that's why they call it sports. We're going to see who wins. It'll be fun. Australian Open. And getting to that spot of peak performance and staying there is really what the Jim Fannin Show is about this week. Because you may not be a pro athlete, or, or you might actually listen to this show. But getting to the top and staying there is going to be important in your life. You can't just as a parent wait till your kid turns 18 and say, yeah, I know, I kind of just checked out for your later teenage years, but we went to Disney World when you were seven. So that counts, right? And at work, (laughs) you can't say, well, this division I've been managing, I mean, remember when we had a great 2014? I mean, I know it's all falling apart now, but remember that time? I mean, just for, for six months, we were in the zone. That still counts, right? Well, we're, you know, you know, Seth, we're in an age of what have you done for me lately? Uh, you're only as good as your last performance. To get to the pinnacle of success in business, in uh, football, in tennis, in golf, getting there is a paradigm. That's a lofty goal. I've only had a few athletes uh, that I've asked, so what do you want? Number one in the world. I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's a lot of people that would like to be number one in the world, but there's a sacrifice. It is going to cost a pound of flesh. Uh, You're going to have to give physically, mentally, and you're going to have to sacrifice even some other arenas of your life. Maybe you have a spouse that doesn't understand why you're training so hard or why you're away from home so much. Well, that's not easy. It's not easy getting to the mountaintop. And when you finally get to being number one in the world, when you look around, the only footprints are your own. You know, I coach guys to get to that pinnacle of success, and I say, hey, these next 20 steps, you got to go by yourself. This isn't a lone thing. This is what you think when no one is there. You're alone. You're in your bedroom, and you've got free will to have your own thoughts. So getting there is one thing. Staying there, however, that's different. Because once you reach the pinnacle of of success in basketball, let's say, well, everybody wants to beat Duke. Everybody wants to beat the Kentuckys. You get fired up for those teams because they've been perennial champions. Everybody wants to get fired up to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. I mean, that's a big game on most people's schedules. You you see it. There it is. And everybody wants to get up to play the number one player in the world. I remember playing Jimmy Connors, who was number one in the world, in a small tournament, kind of a pre-Wimbledon tournament, and it was a daunting task for me. I, I felt... I needed to be so much more than my talent. And I tried, tried, tried so hard to beat him. And I felt I needed to be better than I needed to be. In fact, the word try, T-R-Y, to ruin yourself, which I did on that day. Uh, When the match was about over and I finally relaxed and went, okay, I'm I can do this. And I reeled off a game or two. Of course, it was too late. He already had me in the bear trap uh, of his jaws. I was in the jaws of defeat, definitely. Um, It's tough to beat the best in the world, but it's also tough to play as the best in the world because that's a paradigm shift. And that brings us to aftermath imagery, which we talked about last week. I'm now number one in the world. Now what? Djokovic, number one in the world. Now what? Now that's what he had to come face-to-face with last year. Throw in an injury, uh, throw in a child, throw in uh, being away from your significant other. You know, maybe there's some uh, non-tennis disputes in your life. You got more businesses. You're a brand all of a sudden. Uh, Your time is not your own. You've got a publicist. Uh, You've got a marketing person. You've got your normal agent. Life can get complicated 
when you're at the pinnacle, the apex of your sport or your business. Look at GE right now. GE was can't miss. Well, they're obviously going through some struggles. Why is that? Probably diversified too much. Probably tried to get too much income out of too many income streams. I mean, for the first time, people are questioning stock and GE. I mean, that was an automatic. If you had that in your portfolio, that's a can't miss. You're good. Yeah. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I got GE stock. I'm good to go. And um, again, getting there's one paradigm, but staying there, that's different because you got everybody with you in their sights. Everybody's locked in on taking you down. And it's pretty heady stuff. It's easy to get off of the basics. And I think that's why Belichick has been so good for so long. It's the team that executes the fundamentals. And this is the, if we're talking football, this is the mono a mano in the trench executing fundamentals of blocking and tackling. It's going to come down to that. Belichick knows that. A lot of people know that. But Belichick hones that. And the players on the Patriots have pride, no matter who they are, in stepping up and executing the basics, especially when the money's on the table. The champion picks up the money. And most of us, like I did when I played the number one in the world, I thought I had to do more than that, more than the basics. And that's where choking resides. And even the great ones have choked. I, I remember John McEnroe telling me, excuses are for losers. I've choked many times in my life, many times in my career. I'd never heard a top player say that before. And, um, but he was right. But the best learn from it and get better and better and better. And I think they also re realize they're more than just an athlete. And really, that's the message of the Jim Fannin Show. You're more than a businesswoman. You're more than a businessman CEO. You're more than a tennis player or a football player or a point guard. You're much more than that. You're a soul having amazing human experiences. And uh, our goal here is for you to be in the zone in everything you do, not just put your happy eggs in one basket of your life. And when we talk about you know getting to the top of something, staying there with consistency, we say on the show all the time that you can't have all the happy eggs in one basket. And I I'm guessing that when you do, Man, it's really hard. It's really easy to get pulled down from the top because if you are just a tennis player, if you're just a CEO, if you're just a whatever, that puts so much pressure on that arena. It's got to be easier to fall. Well, you know, I, I had a tennis player uh, that I was coaching. It was in the top 50, and we made a zone run. And I'm traveling full time on the pro circuit with him. And he was amazing. We beat the number two ranked player in the world. We beat the number one ranked player in the world. Uh, we beat the number seven ranked player in the world. This was in a few weeks. Pretty heady stuff. But can you do it when the big money's on the table? The big moment of truth. The major tournament. And, and that's an art form in preparing. And I remember after he had made this run, we're getting ready to play another great uh, player, another great opponent, and I'd been doing my due diligence, uh, finding out who the competition was, what their strengths, weaknesses, where they passed on key points, where they went down the line or cross court. I was definitely into strategy and tactics. And as we went to have a, a, a pre-match strategy session, I, I remember him looking me in the eye and said, hey, I'm good to go, man. I, I don't need it. I go, well, let's go through our basic preparation. No, I don't want to. I got this. I said, are you sure? He goes, no, I got it. And I, I was young in my career and I, I was reluctant, but it was pretty hard to argue that he didn't have it. We had beaten the number one, number two, number seven ranked player in the world. Okay. And I, I remember letting him slide 
Um, he fought me way too hard. When that next match began, he started off amazing. And I was like, wow, he's still locked in. But something happened in that match. Uh, a mistake, a coincidence, an unlucky bounce, an overrule by an umpire, and his opponent playing out of his mind in the zone. And I'm telling you, Seth, it was like a bubble popped. It was like, that bubble popped. The zone went away, and I could see it on his face, and he had nothing there. He had no backup. There was no plan B. He did not. He was not armed with the strategy, backup strategy, and backup strategy or tactics to that one. And I, I looked at him, and he was lost and got his butt whipped. And it was lesson learned, uh, and he did learn from that lesson. But it's easy to uh, get to the top and go, I'm awesome, because that's what the headline said. And I'm awesome, because that's what the reporters have said. I'm awesome. That, that's what my social media account says. I'm telling you, the fall from grace... When you don't have a plan or a parachute, uh, it's steep, it's scary, and it's real. The best in the world are the best prepared in the world, but they're also the best to prepare to adjust. And they're also the best preparing for the unexpected, that adverse situation that you never, never saw coming. If you're not ready for that, you're going to have some challenges when the big money goes down on the table. That's why I love sports, uh, and that's why I love competitive businesses. And that's probably, uh, Seth, why I still have passion for coaching. Uh, it's the unknown. Can I help somebody be the best that they can be at the right time and at the right place? Let's go ahead and get into one of the most interesting guests I think we've ever had on the Jim Fannin Show. Now, Seth, Coach Weber, 427 victories, 228 losses, Coach of the Year 2005, Big Ten Coach of the Year 2005. I think he was Coach of the Year for the AP Coach of the Year, and he won the Naismith Coach of the Year. Pretty heavy stuff. He was at the mountaintop. And, and to think that his career, he's only a few wins away from that difficult 500 victories. He's seen the ups and downs of what it's like to be in, uh, even though it's amateur sports, it's big business, let's face it. College athlete. Uh, college sports uh, at this level, this is big business. I cannot wait to talk to my good friend, uh, Bruce Weber, formerly of the University of Illinois, and now with the amazing run that he's having at Kansas State. Uh, purple flags are going to be flying definitely in Kansas for Kansas State. Uh, let's uh, get it on with the great coach, Bruce Weber. This is a fun one. We're joined by Coach Bruce Weber of Kansas State. I'm going to go ahead and actually read a line from the Wichita Eagle. Uh, and this is from the Tuesday, January 23rd you know, edition of the paper, just to set this whole thing up. Kansas State hasn't trailed in a basketball game since last Tuesday. Let that sink in. We are really getting to talk in a very special week for the team. Coach, welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. We're so glad you're here with us. Hey, Coach. I, Thank you. I, obviously, uh, congratulations. I know you just uh, flew back uh, from uh, Baylor, but that was a great win. What What's your take on that victory? Obviously, uh, uh, your guard threw down a lot of points for you, uh, not only going to the bucket, but going to, uh, you know, some three-point shots, Barry Brown. Uh, just give me a little recap about last night. Well, we, as you said, we led from the start to finish. I think our defense really got us going. We we shut them down, got some 
some steals, got some transition, got a little bit of confidence. And, and we told our guys every time we've gone to Baylor, you know, we get a lead and they turn it up and they'll make a push at us. And then, you know, we talked a lot about mental toughness and discipline as we prepared for the game. And our guys really showed that, that willpower, that mental toughness when they made, when they pushed at us, uh, we had a, we made a play, we got a stop. We did all those little things that, that discipline makes a difference with. And, you know, we have a, we have a really good group, Jim, uh, you know, and I think the key probably is our leadership. And when you have leadership in your players, it makes it so much easier for you as a coach. It really does. And, um, you know, th- this particular show that you're on is about reaching the apex, reaching the, the elite. Uh, obviously, in your case, it would be winning the NCAA. That, that's every coach's dream. Uh, you were in the Final Four in 2005, Coach of the Year 2005. Uh, you've reached that pinnacle of success, and you've had success since then. How tough is it today? To not only get to the top, how tough is it to stay at the top? There's some elite programs that have done that, but not many. How tough is this? Well, it's just a handful of programs that seem to have that opportunity. Obviously, it's it's a, a coach that's usually been there for a while, has stability, has created a, a program, a culture, a brand. Um, and, and, you know, it helps to be in an area where you can get players. That's what, that, you know, players make you good coaches. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really good coach when I have good players. There's no doubt about it. But I think the true test of any coach, and I've done this at Division One, this is my 39th year, um, is to find, still be able to coach and find a way to win when you don't have the superstars or, you know, the real high quality NBA type players. And, and that's, and then for me as a coach, that's, that's the, the pride I've always, you know, taken. It's been instilled my old boss, Coach Katie, Team Katie from Purdue. I was with a long time. I think that's what I admired from him so much with that. He was able to do it with uh, the best player in the nation and Glenn Robinson years ago. And then he was able to do it with other players. And, and that's a true test, I think, of a, a quality coach. Well, I really agree with that, and, and, and that's true in individual sports. Uh, can you win when things aren't at its best or you don't have the best weapons? Um, now, your team was ranked early one, I mean, really near the bottom in defense. And obviously, since that Oklahoma game, you and the coaching staff, You've turned your defense up, and that, uh, that's passion. That's understanding where you need to be uh, and what kind, of, uh, what kind of defense you're running and be able to handle your own man. How have you all turned that around? Your defense has definitely been a deciding uh, uh, factor in these games in the last few games. How did you all do yeah. that? Well, you know, I, we've been decent defensively all year. But, uh, you know, I saw a Bill, a Bill Belichick quote the other day. He said, as a coach, the true test is not for the players to – it's not what you say as a coach. It's what they're willing to do, what you say as a coach. And, and I think that's what's really happened. It's the game planning, uh, the kids buy, buying into the game planning um, and then going out and executing that, our coaches do a great job of preparing our players uh, with the scouter reports. We put a lot, a lot of time, but it doesn't, you know, we can tell them all the stuff, but they got to believe it and then they got to go out and execute it. And, okay. and, and they've done that. And, and then we have a, a really, uh, Barry Brown is a good offensive player. He had 35 last night. And Dean Wade is a good offensive player. But both of those guys, our two best players are also good defenders. So that really, really helps you. You know, when, when your uh, two best players uh, go and get those 50-50 balls, uh, you know, the, the extra, you know, the offensive board, uh, the little things that matter, diving on the floor for a loose ball, that, that energizes everybody, doesn't it? 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And and I talked about leadership earlier. Um, you know, I've always said, and I and I think we've talked about it before. When your best player is your hardest worker, and he's the one that competes, and he's the best listener and the best leader, it makes it easier as a coach. And and you you know when you have that, you it makes it so easy, and you kind of take it for granted. But then when that individual in college basketball, they only stay four years at the most. And when they're gone, you know, all of a sudden you got to start over and figure out who's going to be that guy. Um, and, and all my best teams that, uh, that I've been involved with, they always have that kind of guy or two guys that, you know, really are bought into the coach and the program and, and winning. And then it's, you know, then it's everybody following them. It's like the commercial, the old serial commercial that Mikey Trias. Well, if Mikey tries it and does it, you know, everybody's going to jump on board. And when that Mikey is the, the leader and your best player, everybody's going to do it. So, it's, uh, you know, you, you, that leadership is so important. It, it is. And being in the zone on both sides of the ball, that's uh, that's what really sparks a team. You know, Coach, when, with in the era of one and done and the Kentuckys, I know you've been asked this a million times, I'm sure. And then you see Coach K, you know, grab Zion Williamson uh, and have arguably the best recruiting class ever. How tough is it going up against those programs uh, in terms of recruiting? I mean, that's got to be a challenge. I mean, I think you're recruiting even today, Coach. You have a you have an away game. You get off an airplane, and and you're back recruiting. Uh, it's a never ending job. How tough is it recruiting uh, those five star players? Well, we'd love to get some of those five star players. And again, what I kind of talked about earlier, some of it's your geographic region. And uh, if you look at the state of Kansas, uh, you know we have Kansas, one of the best programs, a blue blood program. Wichita State is a good program in Kansas State has had great tradition also. But of those programs, we have one player from Kansas on our team. Now, he's really good. Dean Wade, one of the best players in the Big 12. Kansas does not have a single scholarship player from the state of Kansas. Oh and, Wichita State, and Wichita State has one. So you got three, you know, top 25, top 30 programs. And you just so you now you got to go a long distance, and and that's what makes it a little bit tough on recruiting. And then obviously the blue bloods, uh, you know, it's a it's an era of of TV and for promotion and uh, promoting teams, promoting coaches, promoting individuals, and and that it you know it's like anything else, the rich get richer, and that's what usually happens. So that's the, the, all the factors you have to deal in with recruiting and. And you are right. I, I got up this morning. I'm going to go see two kids today. Um, you've you're got to prepare for Georgia on, on Saturday. Um, so you've got to be watching film on the flights and anytime you have a chance and making calls. And it's just, it's just really continuous. And, and it does wear on you after a it, while. It, it's almost, you know, for all the years you've been coaching, it's like starting a new business every year. You know, if anybody listening, it's a small business owner. Can you imagine every year you're starting from scratch, uh, especially with the one and done era where, you know, if you do bring in a star and he's a, uh, you know, a, a star, he could be gone to the, to the uh, NBA. So, so, Coach, you've got a big game on Monday. I know you don't want to talk about it. I know you. I know you want to talk about Georgia. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I'd be remiss in not saying, how do you keep from peeking at that Monday night at-home game against Kansas? When you had them, uh, there were some questionable calls in that game. I, I, I don't, I don't want to bring your memory back to that. I know you weren't happy about it. How do you keep your team in the zone focused only on Georgia? That's a task. Well, when, you know, after the game, I talked about Georgia, how it was important. Uh, you know, you, you celebrate, you, you know, you talk about our, our victory and the, and the quality, you know, who made big plays and, and you know, give them some uh, compliments and stuff. But right away I went to Georgia and we all showered, got dressed, got on the bus. 
and I had to then go to a hotel. But before I addressed the team, I said, guys, everybody's going to talk about, about Kansas on Monday. And, and that's great. But the most important game is Georgia. Georgia's in the bracketology is in the NCAA tournament. So that means it's going to be a quality win. If we cannot get up from Kansas on Monday, you don't belong at Kansas State. But the most important thing is to get ready for Georgia at home on Saturday and continue our winning streaks. So we, you know, we, I've talked to them. I will text them tonight. It's an era of, of texting. I, I do little, you know, always continually text the guys and get their thought process going in the right direction. Um, so it's just, it's just continuous, just talking about them. When we meet tomorrow and, and start watching film, we will be focusing on Georgia and, and how we can get ready for them. So, Coach, to maintain this uh, zone level right now, uh, if you could only choose one of five things, you could have self-discipline for your players, and that's on them. They're preparing mentally. You could, you could order that, or you could say, no, I, I need concentration for my players, or I need more optimism and swagger for my players, or I need relaxation or enjoyment. If you could only pick one of those five, self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment, obviously that's my score system. If you could only pick one of those that your players could have for the next week, which one of those would you choose? Well, you made it tough on me because I, 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 I'd probably need to pick two. One would be self-discipline because that's, that's the part of, to me, that leads to concentration. It leads to focus. It leads to the right things. And, um, you know, and, and that's, you know, kids don't always have that, especially in this day and age. And then the other part would be the relaxation enjoyment. They, they only get to play college basketball once in their life. And, you know, if you have self-discipline and you prepare, uh, and then, you know, you, it should be a fun thing. They should enjoy the experience. And, and we talk about that all the time. And um, so I, I, I don't know if you can let me pick two, but that's what I would pick. I, I, you can, <laughs> hey, Coach, you're, you're, you're winning big. You get to pick as many as you want on, on the show. <laughs> you know, I, I think one of the toughest things in sports is peaking at the right time and right place. Uh, that's a challenge, whether it's an individual sport or, or it's a team. Obviously, you want to make it to the big dance. Uh, at 15 and 5, uh, you've got an uh, obvious uh, shot at that, and uh, I, I'm looking for that to, to happen. Uh, but you can't peak at the first game and have your best game and then be done. Uh, you've been to a Final Four. Uh, you may need to peak two or three times in a year. How much do you and your coaches talk about peaking and uh, what to do when there's a little bit of a lull? Well, I think that's something you learn as a coach through the years. You know, you, obviously not to get too high and then also not to get too low. And, and I, I think one of the things I've learned, especially uh, tough loss at Kansas, you know, you have the last shot, a couple plays down the stretch. You know, as a coach, you can go in the locker room and you can destroy them and not have them ready for the next game. Um, you have big wins. We beat Oklahoma National, you know, National TV whole Trey Young and, and Oklahoma to one of their lows of the year. Uh, and, and again, you know, it's, it's great. You get all the publicity, but you've got to get ready for the next game. You're playing TCU in top 25 teams. So, you know, I think that's just something that, uh, as a coach, you've got to continually learn, talk about, um, you know, and, and even if you're in business or whatever it is, you know, continue to keep that willpower, that drive to be successful. And, and, and again, it goes, to me, it goes back to leadership and those guys understanding that what's important and how hard you have to work and how hard you have to be ready for the next game. We're in the best league in the country, the Big 12. You are. And every game, every game is important. And you have to be ready each day. Hi. You know, in, in the age of social media and also in the age where athletes want their own brand, you know, I want my own shoe. <laughs> yeah, I, want, <laughs> I, I am a brand. Um, 
And, you know, these kids are getting their uh, social media blown up and uh, they've got big Twitter followers and Instagram. How tough is it to manage the ego of a young college athlete today versus 20 years ago when there was no social media? How tough is that? Does that make it tougher? Oh, there's no doubt. It, uh, you know, it, but the thing they also, you got to realize, uh, when you win and do well, it's great to look on social media because everybody's complimenting you. But when you don't win, <laughs> and then, you know, we have, then it's the other way and people are hammering you and getting on you. And, uh, you know, it's funny, even, you know, you know, we have to not only deal with the players and, and them managing that social media, but also the parents. I mean, I have moms that just can't, you know, they look at it too much and they worry about it. Uh, I tell them, you should not even be on it. Why are you even worried about somebody's opinion about your son? Uh, it's, it's why why did you take dynamic. my son out? Why did you take him out <laughs> two minutes ago? I mean, are, are, Coach, are you still getting that from parents? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, there's more and more involvement. You know, 20 years ago, a parent would never ask Coach Katie about, you know, why my son's playing or not playing. They they were afraid of Coach Katie. And then uh, the last 15 years, I still remember a call when I went to Southern Illinois from Coach Katie. And he said, I have a question for you. And I said, you have a question for me, Coach. I'm supposed to ask you the question. He goes, no, no, I want to know something. And I was like, okay. And he said, do parents actually call you? And, and ask you things now. And I said, yeah, coach, they do. And, and that was, you know, for him, it was an interesting dynamic that he had to learn to deal with. It. But that was the one thing when you talk about a coach staying successful, being flexible, changing with the times is so important. And isn't it amazing that you're texting every single day you probably never thought i'd be texting this much (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's just part of it and and i'm probably not as as good as my assistants but that's the big part of recruiting and and i you know our coaches assistants will say well i talked to this recruit and i said what do you say well it ended up he texts with him and that's the one thing i don't really like i think you've got to talk to people because that you know, hearing somebody's voice, uh, getting them to say something to you in person is probably more important. And, and that's even, and I'll text our guys, but I also, you've got to be one-on-one with them and face-to-face because, you know, to get a true feeling of where they're at. And, and that's, that's also how you find great leaders. Obviously, you can't find that through texting. And, and you know, Coach, uh, there's another thing. I, I've observed you. I, I was working with you when you were with Illinois. You, you're not just a great leader, but you're also a, a great teacher. And, uh, and I think great leaders are great teachers. But you also um, you need to make sure your athletes are good students. That's a big part of it. Uh, so how's your team doing in their GPA? How's that going? Is that a tough well, subject? Yeah. No, actually, not at all. Um, we had uh, 11 of our players, of our uh, 17 players with walk-on, were on the commissioner's honor roll uh, last year, uh, the last or last semester. And then last year, both the two semesters, we had 12 and 13 guys on the commissioner's honor roll. And that means over a three-point uh, GPA. So oh my, wow. we've had great success in the classroom. Every one of my players uh, since I've been to Kansas State has graduated, which we're very, very wow. proud of. Uh, wait, wait every, every single player graduated? Every, every player. We're gonna, I think we're going to be 19 for 19 now coming up after this year. And so we're, you know, we're very proud of them. And, and even at Illinois, I, it was it was close to 90, 95, 96% of our kids graduated there. Southern Illinois, uh, in my five years, every player got a championship ring and every player got a diploma. Uh, so that, you know, that was uh, something that you're proud of. So, Coach, ro- role play with me. I am 6'7", 225, can jump out of the gym. 
could easily beat Zion Williamson one-on-one with no challenges. <laughs> Why? You're going to the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bypass college. <laughs> Why? Why should I come to Kansas State? Well, one, uh, you know, I think the big thing we have to sell at Kansas State is the people. Uh, Kansas State is special because of the people. And the, you know, we, we're very our, our staff uh, is somebody is they interact, they care about everybody. Um, you know, but even the people in the community in the university, uh, they care, and they and they you see you hear the thing everyone uses family and all that. It's on. On our football stadium, it's Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Everywhere you go in Manhattan, there's purple. The garbage trucks are purple. The garbage cans are purple. Wow. There's a great pride. Uh, it, there's a great family atmosphere. And then we we have unbelievable facilities. Uh, the Ice Family Basketball Center is as nice of a basketball training facility as any in the country. We have a great arena with unbelievable transport and energy in the building. And then you got one of the best leagues in the country. And then if you actually want to get a degree, we have a great academic staff that's helped you graduate. So oh, I, I, um, I think those are, I think there's a lot of positives there. I, uh, now that we're where do I sign? Campus. <laughs> where, sign me up. Hey coach, I, I really appreciate it. I know this is a whirlwind time. Uh, your team's locked in. I love it. I'll be wearing purple Saturday night, uh, and I'll be wearing purple on Monday night. But let, let's get Saturday next. Well, I appreciate that. And our guys have really played in the zone, and you've always talked about that zone and that, that special time when you're uh, – you know, when we played against Oklahoma last week, we were in that zone. Coach Katie used to call it the magic level. Uh, you know, where you just it's that upper upper level of uh, success that you have at a certain time, and and you know, I think we've had a great week as you talked about, and hopefully, we'll continue that as we move forward. Coach, keep it rolling, stay in the zone. It's the only place to be. I appreciate you being on the show, and uh, good luck. Hopefully, uh, we'll have you on uh, for a brief chat uh, when you're deep in the NCAA. That would be great. How fun was that? I am fired up for the next two and a half months. Holy cow. Uh, I'm going to pull out my Prince uh, uh, CD and uh, do a little purple rain, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've known Bruce for some time and uh, worked with uh, Bruce and his team. Uh, He is a great teacher. And uh, it was really refreshing uh, to hear him talk about getting his team into a zone state on both sides of the ball. Uh, his fans are obviously nuts right now, uh, upsetting Oklahoma, number two in the country. Uh, I, I'll be rooting for him against Georgia. That's a big win that they're going to need. Uh, that'll carry some incredible momentum. And then, of course, the game of the year uh, will be uh, the last faceoff with uh, Kansas uh, in Kansas State. Uh, it's going to be fun for the next few days for Coach Weber. Yeah, and we're an example of getting to the top and staying there. If I can add just one more note on that, you know, you've you've coached a lot of coaches that probably hope that their players walk away from you know pro sports and they retire from college sports and they graduate or get drafted. Right? They probably, as a coach, you always hope that somebody walks away remembering that that big speech that put the team over the top. Let me tell you what I remember most from my college coach. These were his words. I can't believe I have to say this, but don't throw Gatorade bottles out of the hotel window for entertainment to watch them watch them blow up in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, well, you weren't the instigator, were I you? I actually was not the instigator. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so what I think is so amazing about what Coach Bruce Weber is doing to stay at the top there is you're not just preparing for your opponents. You're not just recruiting. You're also helping 18 and 19 year olds step into adulthood while performing at the peak of their potential on a stage where they have all kinds of pressure and all kinds of, let's just face it, that kind of dumb teenage stuff that kids get into once in a while. And so to lead a team like that, man, you've really got to manage a lot of elements to help them get into the zone to win like they're winning. 
Well, you know, they, they say acorns don't fall far from the tree when they're talking about a father and a son or a mother and a daughter. But, uh, you know, it's the same thing when you talk about the success at Kansas State. They've had some challenges over the last few years. There's no question. And Bruce, Bruce Weber is so experienced. He can weather these storms. He knows how to do it. Uh, but he, he also knows how to get into a zone state, no different than he did in 2005 when he made that run to the Final Four. And I think the takeaway from him is to hit a high Kansas State standard every single day. And that's what he instilled uh, with his players when I was with him personally, and that's what he's still doing at Kansas State. So you you got to take your hat off to Coach Weber. And uh, the way he talked about uh, with such pride with his students, uh, student-athletes, about how well they've done, three-point grade average, uh, that's impressive. And that's something, you know, no one talks about, uh, you know, your team is so much more than a basketball player. There's more arenas in their life. They're students. You even have some kids today, they're, they're actually fathers, husbands. Uh, you know, that's not un, uh, uh, unheard, of. Uh, yeah. unheard of, you know, to be a senior in college and to have a kid. And, and yet they have to walk into the arena as, as the gym fan and Maxim goes, I have no future, I have no past. My goal is to make the present last. Everybody's got to shut it down and, and step into the reign in the present. Yeah, that's the Warriors' creed. And uh, the one thing I know about Bruce Reber, prepare, 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 prepare. And I got to do one more thing. You know, he made a statement about how tough it is and how it wears on you every year a new team. He's got some new players He's got to integrate them into his system. I, I, I just marvel at how coaches for that many years, I mean, he, he's approaching 500 wins in the NCAA. This guy's been coaching a long time, and he, st- he barely had a voice, so obviously he was screaming last night. But uh, for him to keep that high standard after all these years, I really take my hat off to him. So, Seth... This show's about getting to the top and maintaining it and becoming an elite business, uh, top in your market, to become an elite golfer, tennis player. I know we got the Australian Open going on, a lot of upsets. How does a new person come in and find that success? But then you look at a Roger Federer, how has he maintained that? And, and I've learned one thing. Greatness is not what we see on ESPN. It's not those highlights from Bruce Weber's game last night against Baylor. It's not the highlights that's going to happen against Kansas. Greatness is hitting a high standard every day over a long period of time. And greatness is also the differential between your best and your worst performance, and you want that differential to be as small as possible. Uh, I think Bruce Weber's got a, uh, a pretty awesome team right now. Uh, they are formidable. They're going to be climbing into the ranks, and I'm looking forward to watching uh, Coach uh, uh, lead his team. We go ahead and get into one of my favorite parts of the Jim Fannin Show. You ready to open up the mailbag? Let's do it. All right, so... A lot of excitement over college basketball, right? And of course, there's also been a lot of excitement around the NFL. Some crazy, crazy stories that came out of this past weekend. So I love this question. Hey, Jim, as someone who's coached players who have been to the Super Bowl, how would you recommend that the Eagles and Patriots spend their time during their off week? It seems like downtime really tends to mess up teams in that week between uh, the last playoff game and the Super Bowl. Well, that's a great question, and, and every coach is different. Every team's different. I, routines, mental routines, technical routines, physical routines. Routines give you confidence, and little confidences breed more confidence. And the good thing about pre-performance routines, you can pick them up and move them geographically like 
the Patriots, and like the Eagles are going to do, they're going to take their routines and they're going to move them to Minnesota to the Super Bowl. And Super Bowl has its own routines. The media is a big deal. That's, that's why the Super Bowl is so big, because of the media, the fan interest. And if those routine, routines are uh, disrupted, uh, if they're abandoned, I think that team's going to have a, a challenge. I really do. I think Belichick, I know, will keep those routines in place. He's obviously done it over and over and over. I, I think uh, he would have the advantage on how to keep his team utilizing the same routines on the biggest game of the year. And, and for some players, it's the biggest game ever of their life and ever will be in their life. Uh, for some, it's their first and last Super Bowl. Uh, the tendency to overtry, it's going to be there. So the question is, which team can reach that high standard? And when your special teams hit a standard, your defense hits a standard, your offense hit a standard, when there's pressure like the Super Bowl, it's that stress, that's good stress, that can pull a standard up into a total zone performance in all phases of the game. Uh, Belichick obviously has the advantage because he's been there, done that so many times. But if you look at the Eagles, wow. I, you don't mess with an Eagles fan. Uh, they are crazy, uh, passionate. Not that the Patriots aren't, uh, but I've been to South Philly many, many times and I'm telling you right now, the eagle is flying high. Uh, so if energy and passion and crazy uh, can take a team uh, over the hump, uh, Philadelphia could pull off this upset. And, uh, but we'll see. That's why you need to play it. We're going to see who handles the pressure. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch, that's for sure. I love that the score system goes from soccer moms to CEOs, from college athletes to engineers, because now we're going to shift from pro sports down to parenting. Hey, Jim, my 11-year-old really loves baseball, and he wants to play year-round. Is it okay to let him specialize at this age, or does he need some more different kinds of experiences? Well, I, I love a well-rounded athlete, and um, I think you need to have some breaks. It It is a, an age of specialization. I'm not talking about 11-year-olds. I'm just talking about our culture. Uh, owning my tennis club for 16 years, we had a huge tennis academy. The players played year-round. And I'm talking seven, eight, nine years old. And I think that it can be too much, not only physically, uh, but also just mentally. It can be a grind. And, you know, an 11-year-old is going to wake up one day and have a driver's license. Will that person still have the passion uh, for doing all the extra things it takes to be successful in a sport? I would let your kid make their own decision, but I would make sure that uh, it's done with some uh, moderation. I wouldn't put all my happy eggs in one basket. So there, we do need to take some time off uh, to have a well-rounded kid. So... Uh, yeah, let them play year-round. I think that uh, as long as their passion, keep putting the log on the fuel in that passion furnace that your kid has about baseball, just monitor it and let him know that uh, he or she, well, in this case, he probably, uh, unless it's softball, is more than a baseball player. If I can just put a quick plug in here, this is, of course, a good time to think about the vision for your family. In order to do that, Man, you've got to read The Blueprint by Jim Fannin, and you're going to be able to. We've been talking about the book coming out, and you have the option to pre-order right now. When you pre-order, you don't have to wait too much longer. We're, we're within a month here. You can go to Amazon.com, search Jim Fannin, F-A-N-N-I-N, and pre-order The Blueprint right now. Yeah, and, and just to give a little insight on The Blueprint, uh, Approximately 2,500 clients came to me and said, 
I, I would like to achieve this in my vocation, my career, or my sport. Not one walked in with a life blueprint with visions and goals for every facet of their life. And, and that's one of the things that I did. I, I said this as recently as this morning to a client, you are more than a baseball player. This is a professional athlete you know, making a few million a year. You are more than that. You're a father. You're a son. You're a, a sibling. Uh, you're a friend. You, you, you've got your own self, your own wellness, uh, your own spirituality, and you've got your own personal finances. You are more than a baseball player. And that's what the book is all about. You know, once you read it, you will have a life blueprint to help you achieve whatever you want to achieve. And, and I think even more importantly than the blueprint, uh, the book also uh, contains some concrete tools on how to manifest it. You know, you can have a plan. Can you manifest it into its physical equivalent? You know, that's the billion-dollar question. And uh, uh, the book really showcases how to do that and how all my clients became successful using this blueprint. You're going to want to get started on this the day the book comes out. You can pre-order right now at Amazon.com, The Blueprint, Jim Fannin. Of course, we can't send you out to have your best week ever unless we stop by the Zone Cafe, cooking up the five ingredients, and it's up to you to drive up and order what you need. Well, we just had Bruce Weber drive up to the Zone Cafe. He chose uh, self-discipline, but he also, uh, uh, you know, begged for a little relaxation as well, especially during stressful times. We all need a little relaxation. But right now, you only get to order one thing. I'm not going to cut you any slack like I did Coach Weber. You can only order one thing right this second. Do you want a giant, giant plate of self-discipline, a commitment, a willingness to stay with the task, to reach well-defined goals, to take you to that dream? And, and if you do have this plate, you're going to walk away with strategy, tactics, but you're also going to have a, a nice little layer of mistake tolerance and persistence and perseverance on manifesting that, that uh, plan. But maybe you need a slab of concentration, and that's the ability to focus. I mean, really lock in on one thing, get the job done before you go on to something else. Maybe you need concentration and focus. Maybe you've been all over the place. Maybe your life's been chaotic. Maybe you got too many balls in the air that you're trying to juggle. If that's the case, I mean, don't even think about it. Grab... Uh, Grab that concentration and drive out of here. But maybe, Seth, maybe you need optimism. I mean, this is, this is more than belief. If you get a big bucket of optimism, I mean, that's confidence. That's trust that what you have is enough. And it's also expectancy. I, I expect to execute the basics Saturday night, you know, uh, in, in my next uh, – game that I'm going to be playing or whenever it is. But like Coach Weber said, maybe you need to relax a little bit. Maybe you need a tall glass of comforting relaxation where, ah, you know, you just uh, chill out a little, you know, you, you don't overthink it. You're not trying too hard. You're comfortable. You got a plan, but you know, you got your breathing down from 15 to 17 breaths a minute down to six to eight. You, there's no worry. There, there's no anxiety. But maybe, maybe you need to ratchet up some passion, you know, and get some enthusiasm and get a little pep in your step and get a little dopamine into the bloodstream. I mean, that's the Happy Meal here at the Zone Cafe, uh, that uh, sandwich of enjoyment that you can gnaw on. To, and as soon as you do, you're going to have a big smile on your face and you'll probably get out of your car skipping to wherever you're going next. So what do you need? Self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment. And, of course, you can do this little score check anytime. But, Seth, what do you need? What do you personally need? You know, my answer is slightly more complicated than normal, but in a good way. So I'm walking out of this episode with a lot of enjoyment because, like, I mean, man, we just talked to Coach Bruce Weber. I remember being in high school in Illinois, and my friends and I talking about, the you know, this guy and the team's performance in study hall. 
I'm high on enjoyment. I got to lock in with some concentration for the rest of my day. So I'm going concentration. Blinders on, nothing else but the task in front of me. I've been, uh, I've been on the phone 24-7 more in the last four or five days uh, than I've been on the phone in the last month. And that's saying a lot. I've, I've been doing six to 7,000 minutes. I've got clients all over the world. I don't know what's going on, but a lot of calls are coming in. Uh, I'm going to get myself a little relaxation. So right now, I'm envisioning a mental, spiritual retreat that I'm going to be taking in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where it's going to be, Seth, but I'm looking forward to that as a reward, and I'm looking forward to uh, some... uh, R&E, if you will, Uh, some relaxation, a little bit of enjoyment. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, one of my favorite quotes, I've said it many times, if I had four hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend two hours sharpening my axe. How smart was Uncle Abe? I mean, what a great quote. How many of us right now are chopping that tree like crazy 24-7. Even when we go to sleep, we're thinking, and we know that our minds keep replaying whatever we're thinking. How many of us right now need some relaxation? Uh, Turn your brain off, a mega, mega reboot. Uh, I know that right now, that's what's going to happen with Jim Fannin. I'm going to get some relaxation coming in. So whatever you need, remember... You can come back around and in the different arenas of your life as a spouse, significant other, you can come up in order for that. As a parent, you can come up in order for that. As somebody who's involved in a sports league, you can come up in order for that. As somebody who is focused on your career, you can come up in order for that. The Zone Cafe stays open even on days when the Jim Fannin show isn't coming out and you can always come back and get what you need. Five markers. Five markers that trigger natural chemicals. Self-discipline. Triggers cortisol. So does concentration, as well as glycogen. Optimism. There's a little fuel injection of some endorphins where you feel like nothing can go wrong. Relaxation, a little serotonin. Lower your breathing. Or some dopamine with some awesome, exciting enjoyment. These five markers at a high level, and you're only strong as your weakest link, Once those are in play, here comes the purposeful, calm feeling of the zone. And uh, here's looking to Bruce Weber to have his team in the zone all the way into the uh, NCAA and, of course, into his conference uh, championships. So, everybody, be in the zone. It is the only place to be. Until next week, I'm Seth Hurd. He's Jim Fannin. Stay in the zone. Hey, this is Bobby Sue Doyle Hazard, host of the brand new podcast, Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast truly focused on women in the sports world. It is for young women who are looking to get into the sports industry and women who are already in their careers, also looking to make a change. I want to put a spotlight on the amazing women that we have in sports now, and hopefully we can all learn a little something. I'm so excited to bring this to you. Please make sure to subscribe to my podcast, Leveling the Playing Field, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and with my guys at RadioInfluence.com.